Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You're listening to Scoopy Radio with Brendan Robinson. Scoopy Radio. And it was Scoopy here in the building with the one and only... Well, Marbury, what are you doing, sir? What are you doing? Balls right now, letting them know what it is. This is what it is. What is it? This is the next generation. These are the basketballs that are changing the game. Mm-hmm. Um, how we look at look at the basketballs when we see the basketballs on our phones, mm-hmm. being that technology is the new wave of the future. Mm-hmm. This is the wave of the future. We got copycats. So this basketball you can play with in a real basketball game, opposed of utilizing the balls that have been out the past three years. This ball, we changed it up and we made it so that it won't slip. So that's what this is. Tell me something. Um, The NBA, they can't decide whether or not they want to play, they want to boycott, or what. China, where you are, decided to cancel the league, if I'm not mistaken. From your perspective... Um, what are the biggest differences in what China has done and what the NBA has done? I mean, I think because China is a little bit um, further than um, America and what has happened with the with the virus, they have a, a a better understanding on how to not fast forward, but create a prelude and allow people to actually understand what's happening with the virus and what they're supposed to do. Um, A lot of people are talking about where this virus has come from, but nobody can really specifically speak about the origin of where the virus has come from. Viruses come about all over the earth and 
I think um, with China doing what it is that they're doing and trying to make sure that everyone is safe and making sure that the world is safe, I think that um, they're doing the job of getting people to understand that in order to prolong the life and to keep things going, they're putting people in position for them to understand that this virus is here and it's not going anywhere. So wearing wearing a mask, um, understanding what it is that you need to understand about the virus and what it can do and educating people. All of these different things are being put forth so that people can have this understanding about what they need to do so that they won't spread the virus because the virus is here. It's not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. And I think with the NBA, it's kind of, it's a, it's a hard thing to, to govern because of what's happening in America where you have some states closing down, some states not closing down. So all of these different variables as far as trying to educate people so that they can understand and how to actually get control of the virus is a little complicated. Whereas in China, because of the way how things are governed here, um, people are inclined to listen to the government about what they need to do to make sure that they prolong life. And I think with the NBA, it's, it's, it's pretty tough because they had to go in a bubble like we had to go in a bubble. But at the same time, you know, going into the bubble and coming out of the bubble is it's hard because when guys go into the bubble, some guys go out because they have certain things that they have to handle. Whereas here in, the, in, in China, there's no going out of the bubble. Mm-hmm. You know, so guys in the NBA, they get to go out and then they get to come back in. In China, you can't go out. So I think, you know, when you look at the whole synopsis of what's actually happening with basketball in China and and the NBA, it's hard to compare. But, you know, at the same time, guys are trying to figure out how to make it work and them playing basketball and them being able to live their lives right you know it's good that they get to bring their families inside but at the same time you know china in china you don't get to bring your family here it's it's basically just who so i think you know with all that's going on because of the government system it's a little it's a little difficult and it's it's, it's a lot challenging for the nba players whereas the chinese players it's cut off you are in China, I'm in America, but I, you're a retired NBA player. You know what's going on. Over the last 24 hours, we've seen uh, players decide they want to boycott. Um, we've seen uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo with the Bucks and the Bucks at large, you know, protesting what went on with Jacob Blake and more. He was a black man. Um, I'm sure you understand. Do you think that people are confusing why players are boycotting or why players are deciding they want to play from your perspective? I mean, it's, 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 it's really 
simple as far as why guys are standing up. Um, I think when you see guys doing what it is that they're doing right now and standing up in solidarity with with within the system of playing in the NBA, it's it's rewarding to actually see everyone doing the same thing at the same time. Because it's not often that we get the we get the chance to see things happening not only in succession, but it's like the Bucks took a stand and then all the other teams took a stand. It's not about basketball. It's bigger than basketball. And I've been saying it's bigger than basketball for so many years, for so long, whereas you see these companies who these guys are getting paid millions and millions of dollars from. But, you know, now we're getting the opportunity to see that that doesn't mean anything. It's not about the NBA. And I think the NBA has recognized that, you know, these guys are black and they represent our league. And not only do they represent our league, they're putting putting on for us to be able to capitalize off of what viewership is able to see. And because viewership is able to see something, they monopolize off of what it is that they're able to see in the content that's being produced. Mm-hmm. So now that these guys that go out and they perform and they do something to create intangible dollars that will allow people to make money off of and also create access off of their play. Now these guys are saying, we're not going to allow you to see that, which Mm -hmm. is viewership. So now this viewership is now in jeopardy but at the same time, the NBA also knows that these guys are the people who are dealing with a struggle or dealing with a challenge of what's happening in our society where black men are being shot in their backs because of whatever happens. The guilty people don't deserve to be killed either. Just because they're guilty, that doesn't mean that they should be shot and killed. Yeah. Just as innocent people, right? So now we're dealing with something where these guys know that this can very well be them. Because a cop may not recognize that that's LeBron James or that's not Donovan Mitchell or Damian Lillard or Kawhi Leonard. They may not know who these guys are right. when they're driving in a $300,000 car or a $30,000 car because Kawhi Leonard, he drives in different cars as well. Right. He's a low-budget dude when it comes to the Exactly. Right. Exactly. So you may not know who he is. Scoop he could just be a regular right dude with cornrows in his head that's driving in L.A. or um, – I would use San Antonio because he was there as well. He could be there just driving around and and just chilling, going to the grocery store. So it could could be that as well. 
You may mention of LeBron James. Um, you and I have been going back and forth through text and wrote a couple things. You were in that living room with a basketball, um, saying different things. Before we get started, uh, I'm curious to know from your perspective. It's a two-part question. Number one, was Kyrie Irving villainized? And in your opinion, is he right? I mean, Kyrie Irving is a G. He's a real one. He's a, a guy that not only can get on the basketball court and perform, but off the court, he has it a he has his opinion and um as a human being, he has a feeling which is in tune with what is actually happening with other human beings. So when he speaks and he says something, he doesn't just speak and say things just you know, because he's talking, he's speaking and talking because he can feel the vibration of what's actually happening, what's going on on the universe and what's happening with our people. So not everyone is connected to this vibration, which, you know, I feel is um, imperative for us to have an understanding about why we say what we say and we feel what we feel about what's happening to our people when we see what's happening. It's not like this has just started. This has been going on for a long period of time. So when we speak and talk about what's happening with us and we say why we're seeing what we're seeing about what's going on in the current situation of how people are treating us, when he says this and he speaks about this and he talks about this not being about basketball, I think, you know, not everyone is inclined to understand what he, what it is that he's speaking and talking about. And that goes for the NBA players as well, because not everyone in the NBA is conscious. And, and I say that again, not everyone in the NBA is conscious. I know what you everyone think. is, is <laughs> understanding. Seem to have a bit of a technical difficulty. Stefan will be back in a minute. Um, Scoop B with heavy or heavy with Scoop B on the line. Steph is hello. And now, hey, can you hear us, brother? Yeah, I can. Yeah, man. Um, you said not everybody is conscious. Are you there? Yeah, Steph? I'm here. Okay, so you said not everybody is conscious. And you have made mention of LeBron James um, in the past. You last week talked about his hair. You said Damian Lillard was the best player in the (laughs) NBA. Um, That was a slight at LeBron, I think. Was it? It was a little joke. That's all. I don't have any hair on my head. I get snapped on about me being an egghead, about me, you know, not being able to grow hair. It's it's a joke. It wasn't it wasn't really what people were trying to make it out to be. I think um people have their way of how they express themselves and talking about what it is that I said or, you know, how I said it in a dramatic form. But um I think LeBron James is a great player. He's a great advocate for um speaking out when there are times when he should speak out. I think he does that. Um, I do think that 
it can be more, it can be done in a different way where it could transition in a way where it's prophylactic <laughs> towards giving people a real understanding about what's actually happening. I think um, from me being around LeBron James from playing with him in the Olympics, I have different opinions. And I think from the foundation of who he is, I think that, you know, he's grown in a lot of, he's grown in a lot of ways. And um, I think what he's trying to do is, is good. He's trying to stand up for black people. Um, but I also think that um, it's okay to make a joke and it's not any malice intended towards speaking about him and saying anything bad about him as far as him per se as a person. Right. I think me talking about his hairline and about, you know, why would you put a hairpiece on and why would you put a rug on Right. You know, I think that anybody can speak and talk about that. This wasn't something that's this 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 isn't something that's new. This is something that has gone on, and something that has been spoken about and talked about before I said something about that. I, you know, I found out about that late, as I said. <laughs> somebody that I know in China was talking about, you know, dude wearing a rug on his head, and I said something. I said, Nah, you serious? That can't be true. And he was like, I'm telling you, it's real. Go look at it on the internet. And you can see, you know, uh, Anthony, what's his name? Anthony Davis. <laughs> Anthony Davis talking I like, was at that game. I was at that game. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Like, yo, you know what I'm saying? And I was like, nah, nah, nah. He was like, nah, for real. I'm telling you, for real. So not to exaggerate things, but I thought it was pretty funny that the pro- proclaimed best player to ever play basketball was walking around with a rug on his head. Mm-hmm. I mean, once you lose it, you lose it. It is what it is. But it doesn't stop, you know, people from thinking about him being what he is. I think Michael Jordan is the best basketball player to ever play. I think Kobe Bryant is the second basketball player to be the best. I mean, that's just my opinion. It's, that's that's all it really is. I mean, I think LeBron James is a great basketball player. I don't question that at all. Um, but at the same time, I think me voicing my opinion and saying how I feel, I think that pretty much, you know, it bothers some people. I don't know why when people feel a certain way about how I am and who I am as a basketball player, but you know, that's, it is what it is. A wise man once told me, if you talk about me once, I'm going to talk about you forever. So for those who are are paying attention, um, you came on the Scooby Radio <laughs> podcast and you said that, you know, Michael is the best. He should be compared. Kobe is second. LeBron is there, but he's not, you know, at the top. And, you know, for some people who didn't watch Michael, Kobe is their Michael. Um this is my question. Years ago, LeBron was asked about sneakers. And at the time you were doing the Starberry sneakers and selling them at Steve and Barry, it was for $19.99, correct? It was for $14.98. I apologize, 
And he made some comments about Nike and how, you know, he and Nike put out a good product and he'll never sell um, shoes for that price. Um, is it a fair assessment to ask you that maybe the reason why you make commentary about LeBron the way you do is because you felt slighted or he made that swipe about your shoes? There are a variety of different things, but I'll speak on this because the other things are a little bit deeper. Okay. I think that this is, I think this is more surface. Um, when we played against the, the Cavs, they asked LeBron James when he came to the Garden, would you ever wear a 1498 sneaker? And LeBron said, oh, at Nike, we hold our standards high. I'll mm -hmm. never wear a 1498 sneaker. So they came to me and they asked me, well, we just now asked LeBron James, will he ever wear a 1498 sneaker? Um, you know, and at, at Nike, they hold their standards high. And I said, well, I'd rather own than be owned. That was my comment. And that's all I said. And I thought, you know, here's a kid that comes from the ghetto, that comes from a, a place where um, there are black kids that are like him, that are just like him and I. And here's a guy that has been transformed by people that don't look like us and been told what to say and what to speak on because obviously there were talking points that were given to him. It, were, it wasn't him that I felt was actually speaking and talking about what it was and what it was that I was trying to do and help people that look like him and look like myself. I thought that um, at the time when he said what he said, I thought that he was being coached. And I felt like, you know, for you to say what it is that you're saying during the time where I'm creating access for all, meaning not only black people, but for white people as well. Here I am, I'm creating access for our people to be able to have something at an affordable price, at an affordable price where people would, would be able to buy something, not only sneakers. See, that's what people get it confused at. It wasn't just sneakers. It was clothes. It was bags. It was headbands, whatever it is that it was that you utilize to, to play sports, creating different outlets for other athletes to come along. And I just felt like, during that time when he said that and he spoke on that, um, not only was it insensitive, but it was like he did what they told him to say mm. against someone who was trying to do something for somebody that looked like him. And for me, that was a no-no. That was a real no. That was a real no-no. And he has yet to speak on it and talk about it. And why? I mean, I've moved past it, but now it's just kind of like I could crack when I want to crack.
I could joke when I want to joke. Nobody can't do nothing about it. So more to be, but at the same time, it's kind of like, for me, it's all right. You know, it's past, but it is what it is. It's, 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 you know, he's a, he's a Nike advocate. You guys never spoke about it by phone on the court when you guys played, never? No. You're vocal on the court. Very. In On defense, on offense, it was never, ah, put a shot up. That's what talking about my sneakers, like, or, or my brand. It was nothing. There was no <laughs> anything like that. No, I mean, we never, ever had a, a conversation about it after that. You know, there are some other things that he said to other people and I guess to management or whatever, but snitches get stitches. That's all I'm gonna say. Sure. But at the same at the same time, um I do life for what it is that happened in the hood if I saw it and I got caught for it. I'm just gonna leave it at that. Sure. You um your documentary is now on Netflix. Um, I got a chance to watch it a month ago. And you detailed um, your time on the Olympic team with Melo, with LeBron, with Larry Brown, and more. First question for you on that is, you talked about how you got on the bus half an hour or an hour before Larry Brown got on the bus because you didn't want to deal with him. And then he ended up being your coach the following year. Carmelo Anthony, what'd you say? Yeah, I'm listening. What was it that was going on with you and Larry Brown um, that made you have to get on the bus so so early? Um, you know, during that time, this is how it started. We got on a we we first first. I was in Phoenix, and I had to fly to Florida for practice for the Olympics. And I missed my flight to fly to Florida in the morning that USA basketball had got for me. So I had to spend $22,000 to get a private plane to make sure that I made it there on time because I didn't want to call in and make a bad impression on the USA basketball because all of the people that represented USA basketball, I knew them from when I played with the junior Olympic team. So mm-hmm. I had so much respect for them that I said, you know what? It's my mistake that I missed my flight. I'm going to, I'm going to charter a plane to go from Phoenix to Arizona. I'm from 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 Phoenix, Arizona, to Florida, to where we were practicing at, and I got on that plane. It was the worst flight ever. Wow. It was bumpy. It was bumpy the whole time. <laughs> I I didn't sleep. I didn't sleep one second on the flight, and it was bumpy the whole time. And I'm flying there. I get there. 
when I get there, I go, I ask somebody, you know, I check into my, I check into my room and then I ask them, where's the meeting room at? I go to the meeting room. I go into the meeting room. I get there about 30 seconds before I was supposed to be inside the room without knowing where to go. So I get in the room, I'm sitting in my seat. LeBron James and Allen Iverson, they come about 30 seconds late. Now, mind you, those two those two guys, we were playing the exhibition game. Those mm-hmm. two guys, Larry Brown, off the jump, he told those guys that they were suspended from playing in the game. So those two guys didn't play in the game that we were playing, and it was on national TV that game. So they missed the game that game. If you go back and you check the tape. Mm-hmm. So now we're in the meeting and everybody's going around the table about what they're going to do and what they're going to contribute towards helping us win a gold medal. Mm-hmm. So everybody said what they said. It wasn't really much to say. And then it came around to me. And then I said, well, Everybody said pretty much all of what it is that we need to do. I said, let's not forget to let's not forget about having fun. Hmm. When we go out and we play. And then he goes, ha, ha, this guy. <laughs> this guy's talking about having fun. And I'm looking at him and I'm looking at around and I'm like, well, what's wrong with what I said about us going out and playing and having fun? Like, you got to have fun when you play basketball if you're going to go on the court and you're going to play. From then, it was on. And when I tell you it was the worst 38 days of my life in playing basketball, I tell you not, that's exactly what it was. And I think, you know, him and I, we did not understand each other at all. It was kind of like listening to Massa. That's the was that's what it was kind of like, and I was so far from that. I was the dude that was like Nat Turner, like you could whoop my ass, you can kill me, you could do whatever you want to do. It doesn't matter, right? And it it kind of bothered him that I was that type of spirit and that type of soul. And when you have this understanding about standing for something and not falling for anything, when you have this understanding, you know when somebody's for you and when they're not for you. And I knew he wasn't for me. So every day I will speak with Isaiah Thomas because Isaiah Thomas and I, we were really close and cool at this time, during this time. And I would tell him like all of what's going on. He was like, yeah, but you're playing the most minutes. I was like, I don't care if I don't play a second. This guy is this guy is the worst. He does not care about anything other than about other than what it is that he's talking about and what he thinks. And right. if you don't agree and abide by what it is that he's saying and what he thinks, that's it. He tries to make you conform towards this way of his thinking and doing what it is that he wants you to do. And I just wasn't that dude. Basketball, I love basketball, but it wasn't that serious to me. Life is way more important than a game. It's, it's, it, it is. It's just, I mean, I, 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 I mean, I credit my mom and my dad 
for me having this understanding and me having the, this this teaching of having a knowing about what's way more important than a basketball game. Sure. You um, end up being coached by him in New York with the Knicks. Um, and then you talked about Allen Iverson and Carmelo Anthony and LeBron James being on that team. Melo, and, or excuse me, Allen Iverson and LeBron were late. What were the what was that team like? Was it just you that bumped head with him, him the most? What was that process like in the Olympics? Y'all won a bronze. So it was like he was hard on you, but at the same time, you guys won a bronze. Melo wasn't feeling it. Were there other guys that were on that Olympic team that, that kind of were bumping heads with him too? That's a documentary. That's <laughs> that that's a that's the first person that does that documentary. They're going to be the ones who they're going to get it all, because if you individually, it, the best time is the the best time to get everybody is when they're finished playing basketball, mm-hmm. because then that's when it's like, you know, some guys, I mean, you know, the guys that's playing, I don't know if they're going to keep it one hundred, but the guys that's not playing. You know, I think that they will speak a little bit different about what it is that actually happened. You know, when Isaiah told me that he was hiring him as the, the Knicks coach, I couldn't believe it. It's like literally being in shock. Like, when I was on a boat. i never forget it. it was on a Queen Mary, too. I was, like, on a boat every day. I would speak to him in the same spot, go outside my little room, which was right off of it's a balcony. You can look out into the sea, and I'll put my feet up, and I will talk to him. And when he said that he was hiring him, I just was like, "Wow!" I just could not believe it. I was shocked. Tell me something. Um, I remember my freshman year of college, and one of my favorite rappers, you can't stand. There was a line in the song "La La La" where he said, "Don't confuse me with Marbury up the." Bitch, when I'm on the light, you can lose your life. Where were you the first time that you heard that song? I was in Atlanta. Um, I was in Atlanta inside of a club. And when I heard it, I knew exactly what it was about. Right. We was inside of a club and he was with a he was with a chick that I did not know that was cool after I found out about her, him, Dame Dash. And I got robbed that night too. Mm-hmm. Um, he was in a, we was in a, a club and she went off and she started, we started dancing and we started dancing, and it wasn't nothing. It was just dancing. It's New York. I'm from New York. She's from New York. And we started dancing. And come to find out after, she was like, yo, do you know Homeboy was vexed and mad because you and I started dancing? And I was like, for what? And I said, that's what we do. She was like, word, homie got real mad because of that. So I guess he went and did whatever he did and made his little song about what it was. But 
at the same time, you know, I, I look at Jay-Z and I say, wow, here you are trying to be something that you're not. You're not an advocate for black people. You sold drugs to black people and you rapped about it and talked about it. How do you do that? Like, I'm trying to figure that part out. Like, you can't make that right. This ain't snitching. This ain't telling on nobody. You told on yourself already. Like, you already told people what it is that you're doing, how you do it, and how you feel about what you're doing. So how you rap about something that you did, I'm, I'm confused. I don't know. But people ask me, why you always talk about Jay-Z? Why you always say something about, about LeBron? I'm like, they two are the same. They together. These are they friends. So if I say something about them, I'm saying something about two people that said something about me and talked about me. So if you talk about me and I talk about you, why would you get mad about what I say about you? You shouldn't get mad about me saying something about you if you said something about me. That's a normal thing. It's not, oh, you shouldn't say anything about any one of them. I'm not doing anything. I'm just talking about what happened. No, that's the truth. That, that's the truth. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not making anything up. I'm not going off on a tangent. And I'm just speaking about what it is. You sold drugs to people. Where you from, Jay-Z, and Brooklyn, and Marcy. You, you, you got them on crack. You got them on, on whatever it is cocaine, whatever it is that you were selling to them. Whatever you say you cooking up, whatever you was cooking up, that, that's what you did. So now you you got your people high, you got your people you sold, you sold drugs to people that women that were pregnant. Now you created crack babies. These same babies that are going out killing grandparents I'm confused. That's but that's what it is. That's that's what happened. So, I mean, I don't know why that is a a big thing and speaking and talking about that when that's something that happened. You um, had the internet in a stir, and when we talked on my podcast, um, I wanted to ask, but we didn't have enough time. But I'm gonna ask today. You said that. Someone told you that if your, your throat is messed up or your voice or whatever, you swallow Vaseline to clear it up. And everybody brings that up. When you look at internet under internet comments, they always say Stefan Marbury is the guy who ate Vaseline. Two-part question. Have you ate Vaseline since that video? And how did yeah. you or they get it wrong? You said, and what? So have you ate Vaseline since, one, and yeah. two? How did people get it wrong, or how did you get it wrong? Hold on one second. Oh, boy. So, this is Vaseline. Uh Uh-uh. This is Vaseline. Okay. So I just ate some Vaseline. Explain. 
a hundred year old black woman told me during the time when I was losing my voice and I couldn't speak and I couldn't talk. She said, if you eat some Vaseline, it'll clear your throat and it'll help you. Mm-hmm. And during this time when I did it, people made this big drama and big thing about it because they had no idea about the hundred year old heritage of what people did for home remedies to be able to heal yourself. Right. And when I did it, I didn't think nothing of it because I knew it was from somebody that was from an old tree. It was an old branch. It was something that was passed down. It was something that we had no knowledge of or no understanding about. Right. And I trust and trusted where the information came from because I knew it was from a bloodline of of a person who stemmed from only righteousness, only love, only being considerate towards what it was that I was going through and what I was feeling. Mm-hmm. So when I did that, I laughed at the people who, I'm still laughing at the people who talk about what it is that I did. A white man created Vaseline, and this white person ate a teaspoon of it for a whole year, a day of his life. So you t- you're trying to tell me that because I ate Vaseline, you got a joke? Your mom smoked crack, and your moms and your pops do dope. <sighs> And you're right. talking about me eating Vaseline? I'm confused. I don't get it. How is that possible? So, you know, I think that when people have these notions about what other people are doing, they really need to think about what it is that they're doing, what it is that has gone on in their lives from their parent, parents, brothers, sisters. Like, that's what their focus should be on. It shouldn't be about what it is that I did or what I'm doing internally with my body or externally. There's no reason for you to be talking about what it is that's going on in my life. Right. And, you know, when I laugh and I talk about that, it's it's really, it's it's a joke. It doesn't really mean anything because... It doesn't. It really doesn't mean anything. It has no relevancy towards what's actually happening in our everyday day to to life with you or me. Stephen A. Smith, when I was in college, I remember you did a a spoof on him. Stephen A. Stiff here. And then somebody asked you a question. You said, I do what I do when I do what I You took it from the Mesa that mace track. Did Stephen A. Smith ever see it? Did he laugh? Did he, did you guys talk about that that spoof that you did? Nah. Okay. I didn't. I seen him one time, and um, when I seen him, he looked like he saw a ghost. I think you know Stephen A. Smith. He does what he's doing for TV. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah, that's, that, that, that's the best way to paraphrase 
what is actually happening and what's going on. Stephen A. Smith, he never he's never played any professional sport. And I think when you have these guys like him and Shannon Sharp, when you have a football player talking about basketball, I think you're doing it. It's, it's injustice towards people's ears and understanding about what's actually happening on the court. You know, when you listen to guys like Chris Webber and, and, and Kenny Smith, even Charles Barkley, when you listen to these guys when they're talking about basketball, I think, you know, it's okay for you to have observation about what it is that you see. But when you're looking for information for you to have this understanding about, you know, the game being played, sure. I think when you when you hear these guys you can take heed to what it is that they're saying because you know that they're representing the game from a perspective of them being on the court and them understanding what's actually happening in real time when the game is going on. But when you got guys like Stephen A. Smith and um, Shannon Sharp talking about the game, for me, I think it's a disservice to the network, to the people, to the people who are listening I think it's it's harsh because people who don't have an understanding about basketball, they actually listen to these guys. Here's, and they, let, me, let me let me ask you, you a question. Because you talked about Shannon Sharp and I and I don't mean to cut you off, but but I'm curious because you play. I did me personally, I'm on the rise. I didn't play. Just like Stephen A. Smith, he played in college. Shannon Sharp and Stephen A. Smith are put in the same box because they're the strong opinionist on a show. Here's 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 my question. Chris Weber, I'm not sure, but I don't think he went to journalism school. Kenny Smith, they go to journalism school, but they're analysts and they played the game. For someone who's a journalist, where do you as a player or a former player or a retired player or, or, and or a coach draw the line for journalists who are writing about the game, who are covering the game? Because Stephen A. Smith would fit in that box. Your opinion is your opinion. What goes mm -hmm. on on the court is what goes on on the court. Sure. That's it. You can have your opinion and state how you feel. But when you start detouring people towards what it is that you think is supposed to happen on the court and what someone is supposed to do or what they didn't do, I've got a problem with that. Right. i got a real issue with that when you've never played before. Mm -hmm. Like, and that's getting caught up in the moment and getting caught up in the moment that draws and it becomes an allure towards others to start thinking that you know what it is that you're talking about when you're speaking about sports you don't got to show me that you play college basketball i i, I don't want to know about what you did as far as playing basketball sure. actually to be honest I don't need to know about that because when you start doing that, you start confusing my brain. You start making me think that you've done something at a level and now, you know, you didn't reach that level. And then now you're speaking about another level that when you, when you play in the NBA, that's a different space, right? After 10, it goes to another, it's, it's 11. And that's it. <laughs> it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and then after that you go into you go into eleven. 
right? Once you start going into different spaces, you know, you can talk about what it is that you feel and what you think. But when you start talking about the game where now you're trying to break it down for people to have an understanding, I got a problem with that because you can't break the game down to me if you've never played at this level before. You can speak and you can talk about it and you can have your views of what you think. But when you start talking about it as if you were a player and you've never played, you're never going to understand this. If you've never had sex before and you're a virgin, you can't tell me how it is to bust a nut. <laughs> you're right. I'm just keeping it right. 100. And yeah. I, I think this is this way right here, it makes it plain and it's simple. Right. If you've never bust a nut before, you can't tell somebody how it feels. This is true. Period. Exclamation point, period. You, um, to me, um, your documentary vindicates yourself a lot in the sense of being a free thinker. Uh, we talked about Kyrie Irving and the fact that he's a free thinker. And uh, you see what he did you know, with the, the 1.5 million that he donated to the WNBA, the, the stuff that he did with donating uh, Beyond Meat Burgers and more. Um, you think the world of Damian Lillard of the Portland Trailblazers, um, a guy who was playing good basketball in the bubble, and you said that he was the best basketball player. I want to go back to that. Number one, um, when you look at guys like Damian Lillard, when you look at guys like Derrick Rose, when you look at guys like Ja Morant, do those kind of scoring point guards make you feel like you are ahead of your time, and do they remind you of yourself? You know, I said what I said about Damian Lillard because at the time, that's what he was doing. He was looking and playing like the best basketball player in the NBA and the way how he was not only individually playing, but how he was carrying a team that was in the eighth place into a space where they were able to compete against a top team. Um, I think Damian Lillard, is not only not only what LeBron said underappreciated, underrated. Not only is that, he's all of what we know what the best point guards look like when they're on the court. I think Damian Lillard, because his knowledge and his understanding about how he speaks and how he communicates to the to the people on earth and what he's syndicating and the message that he's trying to get people to receive when he's saying what he's saying, I think that becomes a little diluted because it's real. It's, it's, it's something that is actually um, something that people can gravitate towards. And I th think, you know, when you put basketball in the, 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 the realms of what it is that he's saying, it actually is together from his game and what he's saying it has the same frequency it's the same channel and i think it's a little far-fetched for a lot of people to gravitate towards which it's understandable it's cool it's understand it, it's, it's it's not a big deal but when i say what it is that i'm saying when you see a, a six two six three guard playing the way how he's playing you you gotta say wow this guy is really playing at a different level mm -hmm. if he had if he had the different components on his team that will allow him to play at a high level as 
uh, Isaiah Thomas when he had when he had when he was playing when he was winning championships, it would show him in a completely different light. Because sure. in the NBA in America, you're already recognized by winning championships. Okay, mm-hmm. so if you don't win championships, you know you're not regarded as whatever. You know, but LeBron is three and eight. Oh, that is that's what he he's three and something. How do you compare three with six and O oh, with Michael Jordan? Where does that even make sense at? I think Michael has been considered the gold standard because he went undefeated. And I think I mean that- but, 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 but to be honest though, but where where how where is there an argument at? If you can't talk about the game, so you can't, if you can't talk about the game. If you can't talk about the game, you can't talk about how many L's you got in the in the finals and right. the numbers that the you can't. It's nowhere in on on this earth you can compare six o three something. Right. It's it's no way. It's no way in this world you can do it. Mm-hmm. Do you want to see Mark Jackson coach the Chicago Bulls? I want to see Mark Jackson coach. Period. Do you think he'll get that opportunity? He should get that opportunity. Do you think he is one of those woke people that people can't place, and that's why he's not coaching? How are you going to have all of these black players who have played the game of basketball, not coaching basketball? How is the majority white coaches coaching the NBA? You're right. I mean, why? I mean, it should be 60, it should be 60, 40 from my vision and how I think. It's not even 50, 50. Mm-mm. And this has nothing to do with white or black. I'm just talking about the game. Right. And who dominated the game. Couple more questions. Do you like Tom Thibodeau as head coach of the Knicks? Love it. Tell me more. Defense. He works. He's a workhorse. Period. Like, you know, he just, if you don't, defense, if you don't, if you don't, if you don't have that mind frame and you don't have this thinking, you can't, you can't win consistently. And that's what he has in mind when, when, when you step on the basketball court. Devin Booker put on a show in the bubble. Did you get a chance to watch him in Phoenix? What do you think? Monster. Monster. Period. The Minnesota Timberwolves have the first pick. If you're Minnesota, do you keep the pick or do you trade it? I mean, you don't know who's who. You don't know what players are going to pan out to be what it is that you would like for them to pan out to be. But at the same time, you know, you got to evaluate. You got to have really good basketball people that understand the game and understand 
you know, what's needed for their for their team in order for them to be able to play the way how they're capable of playing with the insertion of that player. I asked you about Mark Jackson and <clears throat> Chicago Bulls. Follow-up to that is Zach Levine. Um, did you get a chance to watch him? What do you think about his upside in Chicago? I think he's a, is a, he's a player that can evolve. I think he needs to be in a position where um, he has the right infrastructure from the organization and coaching staff to allow him to be able to flourish. That's mm-hmm. really important. It's vital. You know, if you don't have the if you don't have the support of the organization and the coach, I mean, you're very you 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 very much so become trade bait. Mm-hmm. You know, and in, in in this business, but if you have the, that support system, which there's only two or three guys on the team that really have that, which are the cornerstones and the pillars of the uh, the team's planks and holding mm-hmm. the team together. Um, if he can become that, I think he can flourish. I think he can. You he has the ability. You were traded for Jason Kidd, um, <clears throat> and you played against Greg Popovich's Spurs team. Jason Kidd is now an assistant with the Lakers. Greg Popovich currently is still the head coach of the San Antonio Spurs. If you were the GM for the Nets for the day, and you had the opportunity to pick either or as the head coach of the Brooklyn Nets. Did you pick Jason Kidd, or did you pick Greg Popovich? You mean as a player and as a coach? As a coach. Um, I think I would probably go with experience and championships mm-hmm. with Popovich. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Popovich, he has a great rapport with the players. Um, Jason Kidd, I think he will continue to flourish as uh, a coach, but I will, I will go with experience over a coach that has coached for um, X amount of years. I'm a coach right now, and I think um, people will probably pass on me because it, there are still things that I am learning as a coach um, and things that you have to learn. And I think with you know Popovich being in a position where he's won multiple championships and he's built a, a dynasty organization in the NBA, um, I will probably say that. You talked about coaching, and I and I think it's interesting. You see a lot of these either – like you see Ty Lue, uh, who, you know, came into a position in Cleveland after David Blatt was let go, and then, you know, now he's an assistant under Doc Rivers with the, with the Clippers. I, I would imagine that being a point guard, the transition uh, to being a coach um, is a little bit easier, but it still takes work. You being a star player, I would imagine – Respectfully, you, you set aside your ego when you're teaching. You're not the face, even though you're the face because you're the coach. For you coaching, what was the biggest transition? The biggest transition for me was learning that what Phil Jackson said. You know, you have to put everyone's ego into a, in, into a bag and you have to deal with it individually. You can't coach everyone the same. And recognizing and understand that you have a variety of different egos, but you also have to do a job. And I think for me, my biggest thing is teaching consistency 
and getting them to understand that there's only one thing that we're trying to do and that's win. And if everyone is on that same page and everyone is doing what they're supposed to do because you get paid to do what it is that you're doing, you know, we can create really good results. Last question. You um, talked about you're judged in the NBA by championships. Um, you had a successful career, all-star appearance. You put on a show of a lifetime in the all-star game years ago. Um, but there's always this this criticism. There's always this thing with you and Mike D'Antoni years ago when he coached the Knicks. There was this, this, this people talk about the Vaseline. People talk about just a lot of different things. And when you talk about LeBron James, people in the comments will say, well, LeBron won multiple championships. They say, you know, you did this, you did that. Fair question. Your NBA career versus your China career, how do you want to be judged by both? I mean, it ain't too many black people on this earth with monuments, statues, and museums um, if on foreign land. Um, what's been done was been has been done in basketball. It's basketball. It's not just the Scoop NBA B because Radio. there are other platforms. I think um, I could be like Championship Chuck, <laughs> Charles Barkley. <laughs> that was funny. You <laughs> playoff P and Championship Chuck. They don't call me that. <laughs> you know, Patrick Ewan, John Stockton, Carl Malone. There are a multitude of different dudes who have not won championships in the NBA but are considered top 50 players. Um, if you never won a championship, you're just like me, and I'm just like them. Um, but I've, I, I went someplace else and did something else. I did something something different someplace else and gave myself an opportunity to be able to um, play the game and do what it is that I love to do someplace else and accomplish things that a lot of human beings have not been able to accomplish. So I think in a game of basketball, um, it's about what you do on this earth in playing basketball. And I think what I've done will be talked about forever. Forever, ever? Ever, ever. <laughs> Brother, I kept you up late, you in China. I appreciate your time, man. I know you are busy, busy, busy. It's all love. My man, I'll talk to you soon. Peace. Later. And this is Scoopy Radio saying, you bring the coffee and I'll bring the Dunkin'. Come on! Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello 
Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.